Blurred up, blurred up. Welcome to the show where we talk about nerd culture from a BPOV, a black POV. I'm your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Draper. Howdy, everyone. Mel and Sky, before I forget, they are on vacation, but they will return. I forgot to mention, Blurred Up has turned one years old. So oh, wow. Dun. Big things are gone. Yeah. We got some things to announce, but I'll keep that close to the vest until maybe the middle of the month. We'll see what happens. Anyway, today we're here to talk about Spider-Man Far From Home. This is the sequel to 2017's reboot, Homecoming, which many would say is the best live-action Spider-Man film to date. How do you feel about that? you think Homecoming is, before Far From Home, did you think that was the, the best Spider-Man to date? Um, I can't say for sure, but I can definitely say that Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man out of all the Spider-Mans. Okay, yeah. In general. Okay, yeah. Far From Home is the first post-Endgame MCU film. So along with the high praise of Homecoming, there's a lot riding on this. So we're going to get started. This is the spoiler-free review. And actually, I'm going to treat this review as if you haven't even seen the trailers. Because I think the trailers, the extended clips, and etc., the rollout for this film gave away far more than it should have. I actually watched all of it after I saw the movie last night. And I was just blown away by how much they, they gave away. So we're not, we're, it's going to be hard to dance around all this stuff, but we're going to keep this spoiler free review short, and then we'll get into the spoilers later. Sounds good. So this movie was done by the same team that did Homecoming. John Watts is back as director. Chris Kenna and Eric Summers are, or were, the writers. Between the two, they've worked on some high-profile comedies. Lego Batman, one of my favorite comedies of recent years, and one of my favorite Batman films. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Community, Jumanji, American Dad, and for some of our older listeners out there, Drawn Together, Crank Yankers. Wow. Yeah. So, and that pedigree of talent shows this movie is funny as fuck. <laughs> I think it's definitely funnier than Homecoming. What yeah, do you think? for sure. I think that there were definitely some well-placed uh, jokes and humor there. They really tried to... Um, Make sure that you were uh, not too caught up in the seriousness of things. And there was always a moment to kind of draw you back and make you kind of laugh at the moment. Yeah, you know, Marvel has this pattern of releasing funny films after their serious Avengers films, starting with Ultron, uh, the Ant-Man 1, and then Ant-Man the Wasp. But I don't know how you feel, but this, this may be the funniest MCU film to date. I'm still um, rolling with Thor Ragnarok, but this is a pretty close second. Okay. I mean, I'm just down with the Taika Waititi sure. humor, um, the style of humor and everything there. So that still tops for me. But this is, uh, as far as like actual velocity of laughs or like density of uh, of kind of like jokes and everything else like that, it's right up there. Man, there were, there were just times. I mean, it's just starting with the, the opening opening scene, I was just laughing out loud and just my fists in the air just I'm clapping like I was so with this movie the casting in this universe is still one of the main highlights uh, not only is it still among the most diverse in the MC if not the most diverse but there's just 
an organic chemistry between the main and side characters. And as an ensemble flick, I feel like they, they gave you more of what you wanted from the first film without it feeling forced like Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Exactly, because that's exactly how I would describe Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is forced. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy went from when being one of my favorites of the MCU to the sequel just actually being like really, really, really low. I didn't enjoy it that much. Totally. So I'm happy that that didn't happen with this particular crew of people. Yeah. Tom Holland continues to breathe heart and humor, awkwardness, and that teenage vulnerability into Peter Parker. And as you said, there's no doubt that he's he's the best Peter Parker to date. Easily. Yeah. I mean, he brings the character to life and is a lot more believable as a high school kid um, than any of the other Peter Parkers to date who were all like 30 when they took the role. Right. You know, and it still had their boyish charm and good looks and everything else like that. But they were still 30 and well distant from high school. Um, he's He seems to be well connected and, and, and can pull it off a lot better. There's a there's a rumor. And uh, I think you shared with this. You shared this with us in the group chat that Marvel's going to try to make three trilogies with him. And I don't blame him. Like he really is that good. He's 23 now. Hmm. And he said that in this movie, he's 16 years old. So this next film needs to have him graduate or skip to college. You know, black don't crack, you know, Zendaya going to be okay, but I don't know how long your boy going to hold out. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I just hope they don't, Marvel doesn't milk this high school story. Yeah. Too long. Um, that's that's something that you do worry about, but he's a precocious teen and he'll probably skip some grades and go to university early or whatever he's got to do. I mean, he's 16, so he's either a sophomore or a junior now? Probably junior. So hoping the next movie will be maybe Spider-Man Graduation or something. <laughs> play some play some Kanye. The, I hope that's not the title, but... Play the yeah. glory, <laughs> the good life or something. That's what I want. I want to I want to digitize Bernie Mac shouting at everyone that they need to graduate. <laughs> Come on, Peter. What you think this some type of game? <laughs> <laughs> this how you gonna do me? Have a uh, Nick Fury and Bernie Mac in this, this shouting match. Make it happen. Anyway, Marissa Tomei and John Favreau as Aunt May and Happy are they're they're always great. Happy has not only accepted Peter. But he's more of a mentor now, now that Tony's gone. I really like that dynamic. Hmm. Uh, his friendship with Ned, played by Jacob Batalon. Batalon. It's, that is funnier than ever. He's not just the man in the chair this time. He, he has more to do, and it's it's almost always hilarious. Yeah, I mean, I liked, uh, I mean, I feel like they they were pretty close to maybe milking it like a little bit too much, but it, it was just like the right level. And I was just like, they, they could have gone over an edge, but um, I really liked that relationship too. And the whole interplay with other people uh, on, on the trip, other people that we're not going to mention in the spoiler free area. But yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that was uh that was good and quite entertaining for me. For sure. The other classmates get their time to shine as well with much of that time given to MJ played by Zendana. There were there were hints at her friendship and interactions with Peter in the first film, but much more of that comes out and develops in this movie. How'd you feel about that? Um, I mean, I knew it was going to happen. I mean, they definitely have the, the, the chemistry, um, and they seem to be like really good friends off the uh, off screen as well. 
So uh, I just figured that whoever is making this movie would be smart to kind of play into that as much as possible when it comes to the writing um, to, to get them on screen together as, as much as possible. Jake Gyllenhaal was fantastic as Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio. Perfect casting. Perfect. I, have, I mean, I've never said this about a Jake Gyllenhaal casting before, and I think he's been good in pretty much everything, but I think that, like, uh, you could have got someone else to play it. It would have been fine. But for this casting, I, I don't think that they could have. I can't imagine anyone that they could have picked that would have been a better. We get to see a, a full range of um, talent, I guess, or uh, expression uh, of through Jake Gyllenhaal. And you don't expect to see someone being able to uh, go all out and show like all of their all of their tricks basically pull everything out of their bag for one particular role in a marvel film yeah um but yes jake gyllenhaal is worth the price of admission he really does feel like that the friend or mentor that peter needs at that point in his life yeah i mean uh when tony's gone uh that's not a spoiler for anyone (laughs) right uh but you know tony's gone and now this takes place after the events um, so yeah, I mean, we, we need someone for, for Peter to look up to because he's kind of lost. Yeah. This is the first Spider-Man film to take the titular hero out of New York. Thank God. Right. Like, I think we needed a, a palate cleanser from battles always taking place there. You know, there's always jokes around like, why would anyone want to live in New York? And, you know, I think honestly, if this took place in New York, I don't think I would have minded so much. But because it didn't, it was so refreshing to see Peter dealing with challenges in different environments that we haven't seen before. Yeah, I mean, like there's like a a meme or something that I saw somewhere where it talks about like how uh, aliens and intergalactic threats view Earth. Basically, it's just like New York and like L.A., you know, and then there's nothing else on the Earth. So like it's always the attack on New York or always the attack on L.A. So. Uh, it's good that we kind of have a change of scenery when it comes to uh, this kind of superhero slash super villain uh, dynamic. And to be fair, even with Homecoming, the action there wasn't the same as it was in the Raimi films. I don't think he really fought or web swung off a skyscraper. It was always, you know, on the plane with, with uh, the vulture and yeah. on the train. It was very different. Like, yeah. they, it really did. They've really done some unique things with the action. And even that, like, rural gas station, you know, where, right. like, you know, basically he first, like, figures out that the suit is, right. you know, legit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that was shot differently. And then they also had the D.C. aspect there. So yeah. it wasn't shot completely That's in New true. York. But they That's did true. go to D.C. on a That's true. flash trip. So Yeah, I mean, the action in this movie, some of it at times was just stunning to watch. There's one scene in particular that had me on the edge of my seat, like jaw dropped until the end. And there's a long fight at the end of this movie that rivals and honestly probably unseats Spider-Man 2's iconic clock tower to train fight with Dr. Octopus Mm. as best in a Spidey film. Because you're not only seeing him use his powers, but you also see how fast his brilliant mind works on the fly to escape danger and win yeah um i'm saying that like everyone tries to give um everyone tries to give 
Batman credit as being so smart and well prepared and this that and the other. I kind of like the spontaneity that we're seeing from Sp- from Spider Man to be able to use inte- his intelligence to be um, to respond to the situation a lot faster than you know kind of thinking it over ahead of time and everything else like that. Yeah. Um, he's a he's a genius. He's a kind of teenage genius and everything else like that. So it's good to see um, him use that. Be sure to stick around for both end credit scenes. Um, the mid will be the most talked about easily. I l- already loved this movie, and then that happened. It was just like, it's a one-two punch. I was about floored after that. I, I really don't know how they could up the ante after this one, but I'm sure it's hell excited uh, to see what they do next. Uh, keep this creative team together. Marvel, please. So... This is kind of my closing statements. This is just a very high recommendation from me. Uh, I would say definitely uh, give Marvel your money one more time at least. Um, we're kind of seeing how Phase 4 is going to be shaping up uh, and the, the, the kind of tone and everything that we can expect to see and uh, the storylines that we can kind of see uh, developing. Um, I would definitely say um, it's worth your money and it's worth your time. And no matter how difficult it is to maybe get tickets, uh, don't give up and, and try to see it while it's still in theaters. And I think for a lot of the action, especially one particular scene, 3D IMAX is probably the best way to go for this. I saw it in 3D IMAX and again, I um, it was definitely 100% worth it. Cool. All right. And that's the best we could do for the non-spoiler part. So if you haven't seen this movie, turn this off now. If you have, then stay with us because we about to get deep. All right. Three, two, one. And I (laughs) will. Bruh. Yes. Bruh. I was already dead. I was I was just wow, right there just from the jump. Yeah. We're right there. Yeah, that that kind of like I, I was like am I in the right movie? What's right. Going seriously. On? You know? Seriously. That's <laughs> that was a good a good choice. A good, yes. Uh, uh I don't know how what do you want to call it kind of a misdirect at the very beginning just like, "Oh, wow, it's, this is what type of film it's going to be." I man, that that was the mem- memoriam. Yeah, in I love yeah, I I loved just the bad res on those pictures. It's like uh, these kids just found some random pictures off of off of Google. Yeah, they, they a lot of those pictures had the watermark from like right. the stock photo this and everything is, else like that. I just I love this writing team. They are just brilliant, hilarious. Already, I was I was already on board. Yeah, they got the jokes. Um, I loved that they. You know, we were you know, everyone's making been making jokes about the Thanos dusting everyone and how that affects their lives when they come back. Yeah. And they dealt with that in such a again, a funny way. Yeah. Um you know, we were talking about how, you know, what happens if you come back and maybe your your spouse has remarried mm. and they they address that. Yep. You know, the, the, the new wife thought that this lady was a mistress. Mm. And then, and then also the the science teacher talked about like his wife oh, pretended that yeah. she she got dusted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Went on for years. 
That was sad. That that teacher was funny. Yeah, I mean, but so was J.B. Smooth, uh, the guy who played uh, the other the other teacher, the other science teacher. Oh, the black dude. Yeah. Okay. From from Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm gonna say no to him. I didn't like his character. Nah, he had he had some bits. No, I didn't like him, man. I I was gonna kind of pepper this into the into the non spoiler, but it's it's such a nitpick that I didn't want to give viewers the wrong impression because he's not in it so much. But no. I felt like. Well, a number one, the first scene he's in, he's taking an ambient, he's out. He's like, you know, the uh, the only other black guy in the movie, they they just put him to sleep. So I was all like, I was already like, huh? But I felt like every joke he gave was like when Peter was trying to web swing in Homecoming, and it just kept face planting. It just it just fell flat to me every time. I'm sorry. I don't know. I thought I thought he brought uh like I thought he was a realistic enough character i've had teachers that are exactly the same as that guy just weird weirdos just weirdos but also just like you know like they teach science but then all the stuff he's just talking about oh this is witches this ain't science anymore and everything else like that where it's just like they just drop it drop their whole subject at the at the you know drop of a hat basically you know like if anything hits the fan then they're just like you know i've had you know teachers like that before so i feel like the white guy was more Oh, the white guy was Realistic, definitely better. But yeah, I, I but he he's, was, he had better material for sure. He was I don't think that necessarily he was more realistic. I think that he was a funnier character. Okay, sure. Um definitely because he um I think that he was just written as this super duper high strung always, you know, uh having something to say, you know, always, you know, like babbling on and on with this nervous energy and everything else like that. And it's just almost like a what is it, Aaron Sorkin character? You know, that always has like the quip ready to go or always has something uh, ready to go. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of the way that I saw him. And he was definitely entertaining, just like Aaron Sorkin shows like the newsroom and everything else like that are very entertaining. But they seem a little bit unrealistic because it's just like way too dense, in my opinion. Oh, it's cool. Hey, you know, people may agree. The casting was so amazing and like for me, every almost every joke landed, but for him, he really stood out as just kind of like a and to me. Uh, I mean, with, with the the guy, uh, the white guy, uh, what's his name, uh, Martin Starr, he just had great timing. Yeah, and that's really what, what comedy is 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 all about. Just making sure that you land, stick the landing, boom, absolutely. boom, boom, hit your spots, hit your marks, and everything. So um, that's the difference between that's. Some like I may have mentioned this before, but in Black Panther, I feel like the writing was good enough, but then just some of the actors are serious actors and not really comedic actors, and they don't nail the timing, and so the joke for me loses a little bit of something, you know, like it just could have been delivered better, and this guy was just like boom, 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 delivering the jokes, boom, timing, and everything is really good. So, I think he had the timing. I just didn't like what was written for him. But oh, no, I'm talking about the Martin Starr. Oh, the white the, dude. The white oh yeah, guy. yeah, he was great. I think like just. On all levels, he was firing on all cylinders. Writing team, him. How do you feel about Happy Not Me? I think that that was almost like the the perfect thing that they could have done because it makes it gives Peter more opportunity for awkwardness. As powerful as he is, you know, he still can get ran out of a room by something like oh, I'm so uncomfortable with, you know, like my aunt and now happy and this and yeah. the other. It's, I mean, and the whole thing is like Happy's like kind of acting like his dad mm. and like it's stepping in as this role of a mentor and he's just like, is this kind of be like my new father figure? And turns out it ain't. <laughs> <laughs> Shot down. <laughs> right. I want to talk about uh, 
Ned and what's her face? I don't I don't know what was her name. Betty. That was hilarious. Yeah, he he turned into such a philosopher. Yeah, uh, while he was with her and just like, oh, he was so, you know, mature and growing up on this trip. That was that was hilarious. Babe, babe. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was there was a lot of good moments there, and I like the I like the interplay between uh, her, him, and Peter um, when it came to um, just their their general interaction on the trip. I'm gonna get to a small gripe. And again, I didn't want to mention this in the spoiler-free thing because it is a spoiler too, but Peter and MJ, you know, at the end of Homecoming, Liz, the upperclassman, that, that was, she was the object of his affection the whole time. He wasn't even checking for, for MJ whatsoever. So in this movie, you know, sure, I'm thinking, sure, they're going to develop something in this movie possibly, but the way that they kind of bypass this, oh, I'm coming to see her in a new light, and then maybe at the end of the movie something happens. Just out the gate, he was already like, I, I like, I really like this girl, and I want to get her, give her a necklace on the Eiffel Tower. I felt, I felt that was kind of rushed. I, I don't know because the way that I see it is, and I, and I try to think these things out. Um, and I don't. Oh, no, no. I mean, but, but what I mean, you're, you're <laughs> no, going to see what I no, mean okay. in a moment. You're good. You're you know, good, like good, I, good, okay. I suppose, I suppose some things, right? Um, you know, Peter's died, right? He's, he's died. He's been on his deathbed. He's had his life flash before his eyes. He's, you know, basically like, oh my God, like at that point, I feel like if you died and come back, you start to appreciate and see the world differently. And maybe, when he was on that planet out in space and he was getting ready to die, he thought about MJ. He actually, you know, that's one thing. And so that can be very impactful. That can be something where it's just like, oh, man, now that I'm back, I don't want to miss that chance. And maybe the other girl, you know, I mean, well, the other girl definitely is out of the picture. We don't know whether or not she was snapped or this, that or the other, but she definitely moved away. Right. So why shouldn't Peter move on? And then also maybe that's just something, you know, that he thought about. One, to Peter, time is relative to the snap. So he was, I think he said it in Endgame, he was only out for five minutes in the snap. So hard for me to really believe that he's going to go from, you know, that to like, I'm almost like head over heels with this woman. Because I watched the end of Homecoming yesterday and, you know, the ending was, her asking Peter, where are you going? And she kind of had a look, but it wasn't like he gave any sort of... But how long How long have they been back from the snap? I'm not sure. Because, I mean, like he could have developed feelings. We're jumping right in at this point, and he could have been back for a while. And, oh, wow, like we're, we're in like the nerd club and everything with, with you know, MJ. And I, maybe I I'm, I'm starting to see that. Here's the thing. It's same as, you know, we've done this. We've, we've run this game together a few times too much off screen yeah exactly it's like this is you know with the the black guy that's minor i mean even this is minor because what's what's written for mj and just their their chemistry is so great like i'm letting that go however because the mj peter love story is so important to peter parker's life i would have liked a little more development of why but i mean don't you think that it was always intended for him to fall for MJ? No, no, no. I'm not. 
this is the thing. It's like Endgame and Tony and Tony dying. It's like, yes, I know this is supposed to happen, but I would have liked a little more of a line from just like, oh hey, I was after this upperclassman, and now just snap of the fingers, I'm I'm like, I it isn't like I kind of like this girl. Like I'm I'm like I almost like love this girl. But from the very beginning, from the very, from Tom, from the time he stepped into the suit, I it's been a foregone conclusion for me that he's going to be with Zendaya and he's going to get there. I don't think you're. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I know that. Yeah. But like how you it's it's like it's like watching the movie. Like, yes, I know that in the end he's gonna beat Mysterio, but like how it's done, you know, that that's important. You know, like you know he's going to win. How does he win? You know you're gonna get with MJ, but how does that come about? But but here's the thing. We see how it comes about. We just don't see how he fell or how he changed his mind. But that for a high school kid, that can change at the drop of a hat. I've been a high school guy before, and I've gone from thinking like, oh, man, this is the lady of my dreams, and I'm, I'm obsessed with this girl, and then just being like, oh, wow, I see this girl in a whole new light, and now I'm on to the next. And I'm, that's not saying that, like, I was leading anyone on or I was, like, you know, just, you know, an octopus out here or whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, people, the, the winds change. Like you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, who you want to be and who you want to be with and all this other stuff when you're in high school. And I don't think that it's that much of a, um, stretch to believe that Peter just saw her in a new light. Not saying a stretch. I just, I wish they would have played out. And on that note, um, in the trailer and man, I, I'm so upset with marvel like why why they revealed so much in their trailer yeah they revealed that mj knows who he is yep they revealed the black cell suit that was awesome we were talking about things that could have been added into the movie so i actually want to talk about some things that got cut from this movie um in the trailer i don't know if you've read about this but there was footage in the trailer um there was like a shootout in a restaurant and when the cops show up, they ask him if he'll be the next Iron Man, and he replies, no, I'm too busy doing your job, which is, you know, it was kind of a cute little interaction, but according to comicbookmovie.com, they had an interview with the director, John Watts, and he said, all the footage that was in the trailer that isn't in the movie will be released on Blu-ray as a short film. It's going to be called, like, the to-do list, and so he has, a like, various things to check off before he goes to a trip, like, I think he had uh, he had to get a passport that got cut out, and there were some other things that I think he had to uh, go to the bodega to, to pick something up too. So maybe in that film we'll, we'll see something. I don't know. But they definitely kind of cut a lot of things out to rush them to Europe, which was fine. Again, for the movie itself, it was fine. I don't want to dwell on the Zendaya thing too much because we got a lot more to cover. But um, anyway, let's go back to the, the trailer. They, they revealed a lot. Yeah, they did reveal a lot, um, and it made me really hype about seeing the movie, and I'm still real hype after seeing the movie. There was still so much. They revealed a lot, but they didn't reveal too much. Of course. I mean, no, but for me, man, I had no idea a lot of this was coming. So, like, for me, seeing that MJ knew who Peter was was, whoa, crazy. And then the, the black suit, I literally yelled out in the theater, hands in the air like like I was on a roller coaster like yes seeing the wingsuit seeing him design it like you know happy's face looking at peter look like yeah tony you know that was emotional and they you know that was just in the trailer and just even how nick fury got involved with their summer vacation like that was hilarious 
quote unquote Nick Fury. Nick Fury. Right, right. <laughs> true, true. Um yeah, that was for me pretty killer moment in the uh in the final cutscene or whatever after the credit scenes. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. And you know, and to kind of give you like a a rope a dope because you're thinking like, oh shoot, this is like a secret invasion kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, but we we found out in uh, the which movie was it? Which Captain was, Marvel. Captain Marvel. Yeah, we found out in Captain Marvel that they're not the bad guys. Right. So it wouldn't necessarily. I didn't jump to the idea that it's a secret invasion, um, but I was just like, oh wow, I get to see Ben Mendelsohn again, you know and. <laughs> But you don't know. I mean, the whole thing with Mysterio, I didn't watch the trailer. So watching this movie, I legit thought that maybe he wasn't a bad guy. Or maybe he was a bad guy, but maybe he was from this alternate dimension. And it kind of pulled this kind of Iron Man 3 Mandarin thing under your, under your, you know, out from under you. And you're like, oh, wow, this has been all made up. So, you know, it could stand the reason. To me, I thought maybe the scrolls were, maybe some are good, but maybe some are not so good. So I was like, I was really interested. So to go to that post credit scene, do you think, I guess, is Sam, not Sam, is uh, is Nick, Nick Fury, Fury, is he maybe in like a sword, sword uh, spaceship? Because shield's on the ground and sword's in space. You think that was a, a sword ship? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a definite possibility. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Um, I was wondering where um, uh, Agent um, Hill, Hill, um, where she was. It Was mm. she on that ship as well? Uh, because they had uh, Talos and his wife playing uh, Nick Fury and, and Agent Hill. Right. And so I was like, where's Agent Hill then? You know, like that was one thing that kind of left me hanging, like leaving the movie. Sure. Uh, so maybe she's up there. Maybe they've got a whole complement of um, agents. And uh, they kept on mentioning that there's no Avengers. No Avengers are coming. You know, this, that, and the other throughout the movie. And I was just wondering, like, what's what's that all about? I just caught, remember when Spider-Man asks, where's Captain Marvel? Mm-hmm. And then Fury says, don't, in, don't invoke her don't name. Don't invoke her name, yeah. Because I guess he's still kind of kind of salty, yeah. salty at her. That's worth rewatching to kind of see that. That, yeah. Yeah. And I, I wondered what it was about, and, you know, I was like, okay, he's salty. Um, but then, I mean, that wasn't actually Nick Fury. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and also you see how kind of incompetent he was by not checking... Uh, giving a, a better thorough check on Quentin Beck because yep. three would have definitely been better about that. Yeah, Nick Fury is definitely a lot more paranoid. Yeah. How do you feel about Nick Fury uh, or Scroll Fury? It's been weird. I mean, obviously, it's in the comic book, but just because it's in real life in a different medium, the idea of taking a child to fight these these wars for you, I kind of felt it a little more here because he was all alone this time in homecoming. He kind of chose to, yep. to be, to do this. But in this one, he, he was kind of like kidnapped, kind of forced into this. Yep. And they were like, you know, of course, Iron Man's gone. Cap is gone. Uh, Black Widow's gone. Marvel's gone, but they didn't really mention anyone else. Uh, where's Hawkeye? I mean, I know he has a family, but he could do something, yep. at least be in a leadership position. Cause even in this Mysterio's like Spider-Man, you make the plan. But I'm like, Mysterio, I mean, really, if you're this warrior from another dimension, so you say, and you face these guys before, why wouldn't you be the lead on this? Um, where's the Hulk? I know Hulk had like a arm brace, but, you know, he, he can't do something. He can't use his big brain. It, 
and it's kind of like in game. It's like you're trying to like make sense of why things are happening. Like you know, I'm still kind of iffy on the on the time travel, but you know, that's that's a different discussion. But in this movie, they're trying to you know try to explain because you know it's been a problem with other phase movies where like you know this guy is handling this stuff alone. Where are the other other people at? They finally were like you know Thor's off world and this happening. Where's Hulk? Oh, Hulk. Oh, oh, anyway, plot, plot, plot. Let's keep going. It's been a recurring theme with Thor, though, not yeah. being there. No, he's, well, the thing is, that's explained, but yeah. there are other Avengers now. Yeah. Where's Where's T'Challa? T'Challa, you, you think T'Challa couldn't bring his army or just him, himself and a few homies to go take on the elementals with his vibranium? Yeah. Why not? Why couldn't uh, Falcon be there, the new Captain America? Uh, so it's one thing, it's like, I'm a, you know, I'll say it again. I really, I'm a stickler for like rules of film. Don't start listing all this stuff out and then like conveniently leave other things out. Like obviously like, come on. Yeah, but rules are made to be broken and you make new rules. And I mean, like things are different now than they were in the Charlie Chaplin era. You know, like, I mean, no. You get passes to everything, bro. I I I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is that like, what are you saying? People are, people are, you know, like that's what innovation is about. Do you call that innovative, though? Do you? Here, because, do you call? Because here's the thing: like, there's a there's a way that you can tell stories in a variety of different ways. There's digital storytelling. There's all these different ways that you can tell stories that we didn't have before, and the way that people consume stories have changed. Uh, and because of that, film can also change. Okay, there's a lot. Say, for instance, in an Instagram story, there's a lot that's not there. There's a lot that's left out. You know, um, but you can still have an arc. You can still have a story that's told while you leave some things out. Uh, And when it comes to composition, composition is not what you can get in the frame. It's what you cut out of the frame. Uh, My whole thing is same with this, same with Endgame. Don't or Shazam too. Don't say these things and then just leave them out. I will. We'll have to agree, disagree on that. Okay. How do you feel about Mysterio's exposition of the team? I thought it was because um, I feel like that it may polarize some people. Yeah, um, I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of um, when Quentin Beck got too talky outside of his Mysterio character, right? Um, while he was Mysterio and the things that he, his, his interactions with Peter, I thought that like the dialogue and everything was really good mm-hmm. or the monologue or whatever it might've been. Um, once he's kind of out of character in the movie, you know, and playing actual Quentin Beck and not Mysterio, I can't say that I loved it. Uh, so there were some moments there, some of the exposition and everything else like that, uh, that I felt like, um, could have been done better or could have been done more efficiently or could have been, I mean, I'm, I'm all for kind of cutting some of those things out. Again, I'm, I'm the type of person that doesn't need to see everything. Okay. I, I wanted to see more about why he got so murderous. Like he went from, I just want to look Barf. like a hero <laughs> Barf. No, no, no that I was get the it. Reason. I get it. What was the thing? It'd be, it'd be one thing to say I want to kill Tony Stark and I want to like take his stuff. That I get. He was kind of like a like a more PG thirteen syndrome from The Incredibles, you know, just using his 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 tech. Whereas for Syndrome, he didn't want to kill anybody. I mean, he wanted to kill the heroes, but he wanted to kill 
regular people. He he wanted to to be loved by them. Hmm. But for Mysterio, he was like, I don't give, I don't care if I kill millions in this. Like I want to look good. And I thought. I mean, okay, folks He's can a narcissist. Folks, folks can snap. Like I get it. Again, I wasn't. This is not even really a complaint. It was just okay. I mean, if we're going there, okay, but but just just imagine this is a guy who thought that he was the heir apparent to Tony Stark. Sure. His whole life, he thought that I'm so brilliant and like I'm top of my class, and I got hired by Stark Industry, and I've moved up so fast, and I'm so young, but I'm here. I'm dealing directly with Tony Stark. Right. I'm, I'm creating products for him that he's using to be Iron Man. Right. I'm the heir apparent, and then suddenly everything gets taken away. You know, basically like everything that he's kind of like by feels a, like he by worked a child. on. Yeah, and and it's uh, the crown has been passed to some child. You know, and he's been bypassed. That is probably going to make him snap because he's probably got a complex about his uh, intelligence and his uh, place in the world already. You know, so I, I can kind of see like how he becomes murderous. And it's it's really just psychopathy or sociopathy. Right. Where it's just like he doesn't like when it when it comes to uh, somebody that's going to die all these people are going to die so I can, you know, live up to my full potential and everyone can see how great I am. No big deal. I don't think about their pain. I have no sympathy for them. Sure. They're just collateral damage. He's a, he's like a, a sociopath. So, sure. and he probably always was. Just really quick, you know, these movies kind of have themes and, you know, Captain America, Winter Soldier dealt with the, uh, the Patriot Act and Civil War kind of dealt with kind of like, some Trumpian things that we're dealing with today as far as, you know, control and oversight. The issue with drones was interesting here of, you know, a person trying to appear to be a hero by doing very villainous things. You know, it parallels our government. And, you know, Captain Marvel got a lot of backlash for its cooperation with the military. You know, Marvel has a history of working with the military on... Yeah. Various projects. Well, you know, Stark they, Industries has. I mean, yeah, they're a military contractor. They've basically. given them, you know, access to their sites and their weapons and their and their aircraft. And the military has kind of stipulations for that access. And this dealing with drones on the villains part is very ironic that a drone was going to be used to kill Fury and Hill when of course he was going to use those things to kill other people. And I, I think it was a missed opportunity for them to kind of maybe address that but marvel and disney have been kind of close to dealing with or they got the government's issues but they never really go full force on it. I, have, I have a friend i want to get him on the show he knows who he is and he has gone at great length about how problematic that is and of course it's it's a kid's movie but for him he feels like they could do more and watching this movie i was like wow you really kind of miss an opportunity to kind of address address that but yeah, I mean, uh, when it comes to those drones uh, and the drone strikes and the drone wars that um, Obama has, you know, used and Trump continues to use. From Bush, right? You know, uh, from Bush. Obama expanded it. Yeah. You know? um, that is kind of nuts that they put that in the movie. Yeah. And when I think about... Um, I don't think that a lot of people are actually going to make that connection. No. And I wish that the writers did a little more, but obviously this is a comedy kids movie, so uh, 
But oh, well. I, I can also say about uh, Mysterio is that he seems to be the Instagram generation superhero, basically, <laughs> if, if I can drop that in there. Okay. Uh, just because he's he's basically doing it all for the gram, <laughs> you know, worried about his like kind of close up and yeah. you know, are they gonna love me or how many likes am I gonna get? Yeah. You know, oh, it has to be perfect. Or, let's do it again. Yeah, even when his illusion got taken down, he was still like, let's do it again. Like I can still do this. Yeah, make it work. That's wild. Crazy. Okay. My. Now this is a actual complaint here. I'm getting tired of the heroes, or at least for Peter, taking off his mask in public places. the The end scene where he's he's talking to MJ on the bridge was egregious. Yes, I, I agree. I just noticed that, and I was like, "What are you doing?" London is one of the most you know, camera, CCTV cities in the world. Yeah, and I mean, it's the 24th most populated city in the world. And as you said, tons of cameras around. Why would you do that? I mean, just Marvel, like, you can have the love scene, but, you know, maybe he runs into the museum or something, into the vaults or something. Maybe he webs the cameras or something. And, you know, something, give me something. But that's starting to get on my nerves now. Yeah, I mean, and even Tobey Maguire basically just pulled down his mask a little to get the kiss. For the kiss. You know what I'm saying? And in Spider-Man 2, right, he was in that isolated area to stop that, that fusion yeah. thing. No one was around for that. I mean, I haven't watched those films in a long time. I'm sure he took his mask off at some crazy times, but... I'm sure the writers just want to get as much Tom Holland face in there as possible. I'm saying do that. It's like with all these films, do what you want, you know? Um, make Mysterio murderous, make Peter love MJ, you know, give him his FaceTime, but I just want it written a little better so I'm not taken out at those moments. Because right at that moment, I'm literally turning over to my friend I was with, and I'm like, why is he doing this? And then five minutes later, he's still talking to her, and I'm like, why is he still... In the daylight. I don't know. Uh, anyway, there's just, there's really so many quotes I loved from this movie. Like, you have you have no tech. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna kick his ass. No, I'm saying like, what are you gonna do now? Because we've been hovering over a tulip field for 15 minutes. Like, you know, there's so many things I want to get to. I want to get to the end, the mid credit scene. Okay. Because that was just amazing. Yeah. Before we go there, I want to talk about the end swinging when he's swinging through all the monuments and landmarks of New York. It reminded me of the PS4 Spider-Man game that came out last year. I mean, as soon as this finished, I kind of went home and played a little bit just, just to swing around just to feel how it felt again. But the mid credit scene, J. Jonah comes out. Oh, my gosh. That was so good. J.K. Simmons. I lost it. I lost it. And exactly because he's playing like the, you know, hardcore conspiracy theory like you know, Alex Jones type of character. Have you played the game? No, I haven't. Because he is that character in the game. Okay, okay. So again, this between that swinging at the end and then this coming out, it was like, wow, they're really kind Tying of- Tying them together? Yeah. And then what happens? He outs his identity. Yeah, so uh, the cat's out of the bag. So um, how, do, how do we deal with this in Spider-Man verse, Spider-Man, Spider-World? Because- I mean, every other one, it's always been like this close, this near miss, this close call. Right. You know, where, so, where somebody is able to out Peter Parker. But now it's like out of the bag. What's also interesting is just the complete change in his relationship with J. Jonah Jameson. You know, obviously we know 
he worked for Jay Jonah at the Bugle as a legit photographer for a legit newspaper. I think what it was like one of the best in the city, if not the best. Yeah. And now, just like in the in the video in the game. video game, he's just an Alex Jones character, a sideline character. What is Peter going to do as a job? Are they even going to try to focus on that anymore? He's going to have a very new dynamic. Uh, but. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's cool. It's interesting. Yeah, it's he's, he's the he's gone. He's going the science route. Yeah, you know, like hardcore, and he's got like this amazing benefactor. Yeah, you know, whereas before he was taking pictures to fund, you know, his schooling and different things like that. Now just to it's, eat. It's just like yeah, you know. Now it's just like he's got this amazing benefactor, and he can just focus completely on science. And become basically the next Tony Stark because that's what was mentioned again and again in the movie. I can't be the next Tony Stark. I, it's not me. It has to be someone else. You know, like, you know, everybody's wanting to know who's the next Tony Stark. And Tony Stark gives the crown basically to him. Edith. And, he, you know, Edith basically is the crown, uh, the crown jewel anyway. Um, and so, like, now he's going to have the opportunity to live up and become this new Iron Man style character who's kind of a leader maybe a, a leader of the Avengers, you know, in, in that's crazy. I love that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I, it's same with, you know, Fury kidnapping Spider-Man. It's like, there are other adult heroes out there on earth. Hulk is still, Bruce Banner is still on earth. Hawkeye is still on earth. Valkyrie is still on earth. Yes. T'Challa's still on earth. I mean, these people are, Nakia is still on earth. <laughs> Uh, Okoye still on yeah. Earth, and she was actually you know trying to handle the handle the shit during the snap. You know she was working with with, with Black Widow. Mm-hmm. They they they've been involved. So it's interesting that everyone's kind of putting all the weight on Spider Man. That also felt kind of weird to me. That's another kind of minor complaint I have. Even though I think maybe this movie overall is better than Homecoming, I'm still kind of on the fence about that. But I'm leaning towards it's better overall. I think Homecoming was a tighter narrative. So you, you, so wait a minute. Are you because for me it all boils down to this: the heroes don't make the movie; the villains make the movie, right? For me, anyway. And I'm not rooting for the villain, but I feel like a good villain takes the movie to the next level. Okay, right? Uh, because you expect the hero to be amazing, uh, and Point you don't expect the villains to be necessarily that complex or that interesting or something else like that. So my question for you is the Vulture or Mysterio? Who do you think is the, which villain, which villain are you rolling with? I mean, Michael Keaton terrified me the most just sitting in his car. I mean, he was very impressive. Um, But Mysterio, that acid trip, I was going to, you know, that acid trip that he put Peter on in the middle of the movie, that I, I couldn't, I almost didn't breathe. I was like, what is going on? And then when they showed him getting shot by Nick Fury, and then even that was a, that yeah. was a lie, bruh. I, bruh, it I lost like it. was like Inception, you know? I, I was done. Was I was like, done. I was like, what is real now? I really didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Like, um, I think that uh, the Vulture, Michael Keaton, again, stellar. Um, I liked his backstory a little bit mm-hmm. better, and I like the villains that, like, you can kind of see, like, shades of gray, you know, whereas... Uh, you got Mysterio who's just a raging narcissist or a sociopath. Sure. And, you know, uh, there's really no redemption or redeeming characteristics. And so it's just like he 
he was very villainous and he kind of blew minds and and everything that he did but uh i think i'm still rolling with vulture and i still and i appreciate marvel for taking these kind of really silly characters and grounding these villains in some sort of reality and really connecting them to Peter Parker's life. Mm-hmm. The vulture, you know, the comic is just an old man who absorbs the youth. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, and then and then the villains are also tie into something real feelings that real people have. Right. I mean, of course, real people can also be megalomaniac, but megalomania is kind of what we expect from, you know, villains, especially like DC villains and stuff like yeah. that. But um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I like to see in the, the, the trend with Marvel and why I appreciate a lot what they're doing with the villains. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I want to see this movie again. I'm going to see this in IMAX 3D, hopefully uh, this weekend, if not the next. It's hard for me to really rank this movie, but it's probably probably a top 10 MCU film for me, um, if not just top 15 easily but you know there's so many movies now it's, it's like, definitely top 10 for me okay yeah um it's definitely top 10 for me i don't think top five but i'll have to see it again mm. after i see it again i might revisit that yeah i might develop a little bit more appreciation for yeah uh, some of the details and be like oh wow they did that and um and i could i, I might be able to edit this in a, in a future um cast yeah it's definitely it's definitely up there. Um, is it the best live action Spider Man movie to date? I'm still I'm leaning towards yes. But, you know, again, I wanna watch it again. I wanna watch some other ones again and just see those also how they compare. And also I'm 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 rolling with um even though I think that so far Peter Parker, the best Peter Parker has been Tom Holland, mm-hmm. I'm actually eager to see him outgrow high school. Yeah. You know, before I before I make like a full kind of judgment, you know, yeah. like because I need I need to compare him against, you know, uh, to- Toby Maguire character who's a photographer and who's out of high school or just out of high school or something else like that. And some of the later films. So I want I want I want I'm ready to see that development and what where, what is next for Peter Parker. Can I just add? I really like. The way that the characters have such small human moments. You know, Peter's packing for his trip and he smells his socks before he puts them in. Um, May, uh, May did something really kind of cute too, but I feel like this is obviously, you know, this friendly neighborhood Spider-Man universe here, but these characters are a lot more human than the other ones. Obviously, like Thor's not, obviously it's not a human, period. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I really... I appreciate this just this this side of the universe a lot. Yeah, me too. And I mean, even though the the just when you said friendly neighborhood Spider Man, it just brought me back to one of my favorite lines in the movie or favorite interactions. It's just like, I'm just I'm just your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. He's like, You've been to space. Bitch, you've been to space. <laughs> Nick Fury. That that kind of felt a little forced. But again, I feel like it was Nick Fury, yeah. right? Because Nick Fury wouldn't have done that. You know, in the trailer, you know, he shot Ned. That blew me away mm. like oh shit he's here like that was really cool mm. again i man these trailers i i really wish they did i don't know you know it's just me i mean obviously there are folks who like you who got hype off these things but for me i you don't watch them i know but 
I wonder how the world would react to these things if they never knew they were coming to me. I mean, you said that you were so excited about it, but I wonder how you would feel if you had no idea. Yeah, but I feel like that's part of the phenomenon, honestly. I oh, feel of course like, it is. I feel like their box office is a reflection of the fact that they get people so hype. But we're on movie, what, 23, 24 now? Yeah. And at this point, they're, they're just, I mean, as soon as you, I mean, they could put out. But it's a machine now. I agree. But again, it, we're talking about uh, evolution. Like, how would things look like if you said, hey, guys, this movie's coming out. Here's a quick 45-second thing to get you excited, and that's it. Like, you know, The Last Jedi, they put out their, their first teaser trailer. I know only one thing. The Jedi must end. I was sold. Like, you've got my money. I'm done. I'm good. And they put out more things, and I'm like, you know, I don't need all that. For Spider-Man. So what would you put in the trailer? What does the trailer look like, the the, the 30 or 40 second trailer? What could you put in there? The whole purpose is to put butts in seats, right? Mm. You know what I'm saying? What do you put in there that is just like, oh, wow, I'm hyped to see it without knowing anything about the I movie? would definitely show that they're going to Europe. So uh-huh. they're leaving New York. So that's that's a you know. It's Do you the, put the black suit in there? No. We're not putting the black suit. We're not reveal MJ knows he's Spider Man. Would I put in the Mysterio from a different dimension? I think yes, because that that's, that's a cool red herring. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, even though I knew that he's Mysterio, I was still kind of questioning this in the movie. Like, wow, this these effects are really good. And you know, before we go, I want to talk about, uh, you know, during that that trippy like Dr. Strange scene he had, he had, you know, he's using all these drones to kind of simulate what's going on. But I was kind of, you know, this is again, a minor thing. He had these Spider-Mans pile up on him. How does that feel when you're using these big drones? Because I believe in the comic book, he has much smaller machines work and kind of form these shapes. Yeah. But he kind of used just these big clunky things the whole time. And I was a little bit, I, it, it didn't take me out at all because I was just on the edge of my seat. But when I left the theater, I started thinking about how does all this kind of work? The, the, there is one thing that uh, I didn't like how they left it out of the movie. Okay. And I feel like there needed to be a little bit more explaining. The Peter Tingle. Where did it go? Right. The whole thing was just like, oh, I don't have it. I, he's getting hit in the face with a banana and everything else like that. And, you know, like, oh, I, it's it's here. It's in me. And, and he's just trying to bring it back. And suddenly he gets it back. And, then, and he, like, does all this crazy shit yeah. at the end of the movie, which yeah. is amazing. I mean, but, very Matrix-like, you know what I'm saying? Where yeah. he's just like, you know, like, I know Kung Fu. You know, that, that type of moment. You know what I'm saying? But where was it the whole time? And what made it go away? Yeah. It's very inconsistent. I, I would have liked to have known you know, or had a little bit of explanation about where the Peter Tingle went. And, you know, Infinity War, right? He had, you know, the, his hair rose up when that spaceship showed, like, where, where, as you said, where'd it go? Yeah. I mean, and of course, you could probably come up with an idea like, oh, well, when he died in space or something or whatever, whatever, you could, but it's just like, that kind of bugged me because it they talked you. about the Peter Tingle... Okay, yeah. They they talked about the Peter Tingle again and again and again <laughs> and how he didn't have it. Right. You know, and then suddenly he, he asked for it and he's just like really concentrates and he gets it back. It's not supposed to be a concentrate thing. Right. It's supposed to be this inbuilt. You know, we could, you know, and I could project in the movie that, you know, kind of like Superman, how he didn't get all his powers immediately. You know, Superman's powers kind of, they came in increments and maybe he's been kind of in flux with this spider sense and maybe... 
now it's full command of it. Exactly. But he, again, I don't feel like it's supposed to be a command. No, I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you, but maybe that's that's how it is. Night monkey. <laughs> Racist. You know what? I <laughs> I did like how they they kept using Night Monkey and it never got old. No. Every it was, time they dropped it, it hit. It was a new thing. Yeah. I, I love it when the news like the night monkey. Blah, blah. <laughs> that was hilarious. All right. All right, guys. Go see the movie. Yeah. Um, this concludes the latest episode of Blurred Up. If you want to find us, we are on Facebook at B L E R D U P. We're also on Twitter at B L E R D U. And we're on Instagram at B L E R D period U P. Peace. Peace out.